When pilots are flying at night or in inclement weather, they are trained to do something profoundly counterintuitive. They are trained to distrust their eyesight, their senses, and to trust the instruments that are in front of them on their panel. The reason for this is that it's easy to get disoriented when a pilot is flying in these conditions, in inclement weather or at night. It's easy to think that the plane is level and going straight when actually it's turning or descending. And in fact, tragically, it's not uncommon for inexperienced pilots to crash because they rely too much on their eyesight rather than the instruments in front of them. So new pilots are drilled to trust their instruments and to distrust their eyesight. And I think there's an analogous dynamic going on in our readings. You know, if I were to sum up the overarching message of these three readings in the psalm, I would say it, it can be summed up with that line from St. Paul in our second reading. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We'll talk about what that means in a moment, but first let's look at our first reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel lived in dark and trying times. He lived at the tail end of the Davidic kingdom. In fact, he saw the end of the Davidic kingdom. This kingdom that in the days of Solomon and David had been wealthy and powerful, prestigious. By the time Ezekiel was born, it was on its last leg. About 100 years before Ezekiel was born, the ten northern tribes were conquered by Assyria and sent into exile leaving just the two southern tribes, which included Jerusalem. Ezekiel, as an adult, would witness a different invading nation conquer the remaining tribes, uh, conquer Jerusalem, and destroy the temple, Babylon. The Babylonian army would conquer the southern tribes and send the rest into exile in 587 B.C. Now, History is filled with accounts of nations that grow in power, eventually become dominant, and then inevitably, at some point, they begin to decline until this once unassailable empire uh, falls and is no more. So I suppose one could say, look, Israel had its time in the sun. Now it's going the way of all worldly human empires. But there's the key difference between Israel and worldly human empires. There was a divine promise attached to Israel. God had promised that this Davidic dynasty would never be extinguished, that it would endure forever. So you can imagine as Ezekiel and the remaining two tribes are carried off into exile, as Jerusalem and the temple are a heap of rubble and ruin, and the, the dynasty of David seems dead and gone. You can imagine what thoughts went through their head. And maybe God had abandoned his people. Maybe God was simply unfaithful, impossible as it sounds, to his promises. Or worst of all, maybe they were tempted to think they had been duped all along to believe that God was with them in the first place, to believe that they were chosen and blessed by God. And now 
it seemed as if they were unmasked as a foolish people and open to ridicule. And it's precisely in this dark and depressing time in Israel's history that God speaks to his people through the words of the prophet Ezekiel, and he speaks words of hope. In our first reading, God is saying, my plan for the salvation of not just Israel, but all peoples, is still unfolding. This kingdom of David was but a figure of a much grander kingdom of God that will be the fulfillment of that prestigious and wealthy earthly kingdom. God says that he will take a tender shoot and transplant it to the mountain heights of Israel, meaning Jerusalem. And this is an image for the renewed kingdom of God, the fulfilled kingdom of God, which will be like a majestic cedar, so majestic that birds of all kinds want to come and dwell in its branches. Meaning, this kingdom will not just be for Israel, but for those of every tribe and tongue, people and nation. In other words, God is saying, I have not abandoned my people. I am faithful to my promise, to my covenant. God is he who cannot deceive nor be deceived, and he is, in Ezekiel's lifetime, still working out his purposes and his plan even though his people probably couldn't grasp that in the midst of their trials. In other words, God is asking them, walk by faith and not by sight. And I'm sure that was a tall order. I mean, I'm sure the shrewd realist of Ezekiel's day listened to the words of our first reading and said, you're hopelessly naive. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I'm not buying it again. But the shrewd realist wasn't vindicated in the end, but those who live by faith in the word of God. Because in the fullness of time, God became a man, Jesus Christ, the eternal word of God incarnate. And he's born of the royal line of David. And he will go to Jerusalem where he will die on the cross, die like a common criminal, mocked and ridiculed by the religious and political elites of of his day. And at that time, those who walk by sight, those who live according to worldly wisdom, will probably dismiss Jesus, or probably did dismiss Jesus, as just another failed wannabe Messiah. However, Christ, as he died, and as his lifeless body was laid in the tomb, buried in the ground, he was the mustard seed, in a sense that he talked about in our gospel today the mustard seed that's buried only to sprout into this majestic plant, this majestic cedar tree that is the kingdom of God, a kingdom that's manifest in this world through the church he founded, a church in which those of every nation and tongue, people and tribe, find refuge. You know, Ultimately, the overarching message of our reading, it's summed up in that line from St. Paul, we walk by faith and not by sight. Just as a pilot must fly according to what his instruments are telling him, so we must live by faith and not sight, not according to the worldly wisdom or the spirit of the age. What does it mean to walk by faith, to live by faith? First and foremost, it means to believe what God has revealed to be true, what those truths he has revealed is necessary for our salvation, which he revealed in scripture, in tradition, in the 
official magisterial teachings of the Catholic Church. To walk by faith is to believe and to make these truths the very foundation of our life, the guiding principle of our actions, or at least to strive to. But to live by faith also means to trust in him, to trust that he's working out his purposes, and especially when we find ourselves uh, in the midst of some trial, maybe even a dark and difficult trial, as Ezekiel did, that it's then that we must trust in him. When we can't see why God has possibly permitted this or that suffering in our life, when we can't see why God doesn't step in and do something, when we can't fathom what possible good he could bring out of a situation, and yet, still, we bend the knee and we say, thy will be done, I trust in you. That is what it means to walk by faith.